from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odeschalette, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Welcome to A Baha'i Perspective. I recorded an interview with Daniel Stadnitsky on November 25, 2019. Daniel is an award-winning drummer, Vanier Canada graduate scholar at the University of Alberta, and an ethnomusicologist. His Ph.D. dissertation is on the exploration of musical representations of the persecution of the Baha'i community in Iran. We play musical pieces in the interview that present Daniel's performance capabilities, as well as musical pieces related to his musical studies on the Baha'i persecution in Iran. I started the interview by asking Daniel where he grew up and what was spiritual life like growing up. I grew up in the outskirts of Toronto, in the suburbs, but most of my family lived in Hamilton, Ontario, which is, I don't know, I guess kind of like the Detroit of Canada lots of factory work and things like that. My mother is Japanese and my father is Polish and Italian. I would say that spiritually, spiritual upbringing, it was fairly agnostic. Uh, I remember going to a Buddhist temple with my mother every once in a while in Toronto. I think it was just for mostly her own interest and maybe a sense of reconnecting with her, her own kind of ethnic background, cultural background. But it's sort of complicated because her parents were interned during the war and, you know, there's this whole thing of them trying to become more Canadian and less Japanese. So they ended up going to United Churches and things like that. But from my understanding, they practiced Buddhism sort of privately. This kind of sense of being somewhat in a religious interest was more like a cultural thing, I guess. We didn't go to church. It wasn't, uh, there was no regular practicing in that kind of way. So how did your spiritual journey lead you to the Baha'i faith? I met my wife, who grew up as a Baha'i. Her name is Michelle. She grew up in southern Ontario, just outside of London, Ontario area. Yeah, she has a, a wonderful mother who converted to the faith in, I think, the 1960s. And she grew up in a Baha'i household. So, yeah, I, I didn't know anything about the Baha'i faith until I met my wife in northern Quebec while we were doing sort of an exchange program to learn French. Yeah, it was through through my wife and through the community in Ottawa, Ontario at the time where we lived, where I got to deepen my understanding of the faith a bit. And that's where I declared as a Baha'i in Ottawa, Ontario around 2010. Now, you have a relationship with the Baha'i Institute for Higher Education. Can you tell us what that is and what your relationship with that institution is? I would say that my relationship with the Baha'i Institute for Higher Education is mainly as a research interest. It was a focal point in my research while I was doing my dissertation at the University of Alberta in, uh, in music. A lot of my work prior to getting involved in a Baha'i topic, I was very much interested in music education, pedagogy, things like that, how people learn, the circumstances of how they learn music, this type of thing. And of course, when I first came across the faith, you know, as an outsider and, and meeting Iranian Baha'is and going through the writings, seeing, you know, the 
Farsi calligraphy, all this, you know, it was a very new thing for me. And then learning the story of, of persecution for the Baha'is in Iran. In my early days, I started learning about it. And it wasn't soon after that, I heard about the BIH, which is this um, unofficial university in Iran, though it's often called an underground university, but that often kind of politicizes it a little bit too much. They provide Bachelor of Education for students who are Baha'is, and it's volunteer-run. Their programs are accredited at universities in, in North America and some other countries as well. But it's essentially because Baha'is in Iran are not allowed to attend public post-secondary education as Baha'is, as declaring themselves as Baha'is. So essentially, yeah, they're, they're cut off from that type of access. BIHE provides that for them. Daniel, you are a performer in your own right, as well as a researcher. Can you describe your performances for us? Before I went back to grad school, I was essentially just playing as a session drummer full-time. I'm a drummer and percussionist, and I currently teach at the Sarah McLaughlin School of Music in Edmonton, Alberta, which is a popular music after-school music education program. So primarily within the realm of popular music, that was my background. But having studied and being engaged in all types of traditions and, and styles and varieties of music, my degree at the University of Alberta specialized in ethnomusicology, which is it's the anthropology of music and sound. You dive into all types of traditions and sound worlds and beliefs and ideologies about music and the cultures and the peoples that play them. Through that interest in Brazilian music, music across uh, Eastern Europe, Northern Scandinavia, I play with Francophone musicians, Celtic musicians. And so from my pop music background, I eventually became much more involved in, I would say, traditional musics and folk musics and hybrids of that, maybe mixed with jazz and pop as well. I asked you to select a recording from your recordings to sample the kind of music that you do perform. So why don't you tell us about the piece that you selected and what we should be looking for when we listen to it? Well, the piece that I selected is with a fantastic Toronto-based fiddle player named Jaron Freeman Fox. It's a composition of his, and it's a duet. I believe he calls it duetymology. I, I don't know, maybe it changes his name. He's a, he's a pretty far out guy, has some fantastic ideas. Studied in India, goes to Sweden and Norway to study different violin traditions. And uh, I believe he was, he was in Romania or something. He traverses the world and learns different types of fiddle styles. But yeah, we play as a duo. I played with him in, in a band called The Opposite of Everything for a number of years, which is this sort of big festival, world music, party band. And it's a lot of fun. Our work as a duo is, is much more, I feel like it's much more nuanced. And we really try to dig into these really complicated rhythms and textures that, are, that come from different parts of the world. I use sort of a modified drum kit based around a, different kinds of tambourines, things that I learned while I, I was touring and studying music in Sweden. And yeah, just, just having fun, bending the pitches on my drums and trying to sound like a fiddle when I can.
So I'm speaking with Daniel Stadnitsky, an award-winning drummer and Vanier Canada graduate scholar based at the University of Alberta, whose research explores musical representations of Iranian Baha'i persecution. But we had just listened to a piece with a duo that he plays with. And what was the name of the other performer? Jaron Freeman Fox. Daniel, where can people find your recordings? Well, fortunately, a lot of the stuff just in in our day and age is available online you can check out as maybe a, as as a beginning point my website www.danielstanitsky.com where there's some links and and some musical examples a lot of the musicians i play with since i moved to alberta about seven years ago are based in alberta and we have a fantastic array of musicians and songwriters and instrumentalists so yeah i would recommend going through that web page but check out anything from Jaron Freeman Fox, 
as well because I got to record on a couple of his earlier records in the early 2010s. And yeah, so check those out. Let's talk now about your research in ethnomusicology. You touched on it briefly, but maybe you could possibly expand a little bit on what the study of ethnomusicology is. Well, ethnomusicology is, I guess you can say, on one hand, it's the cultural study of music. It can be any style or tradition of music. Its kind of core undercurrent is based in anthropology and you know, it's based on ethnography. So we do field work, we interview people, we document their stories, and we try to do in the best possible way, in a respectable manner, and reciprocal manner, I think. The surprising and fun things that come out of that kind of relationship that you have with the people that you work with and interview in the communities that you work in is that it becomes a really fantastic experience. So yeah, it's been an enriching experience for me studying within the field of ethnomusicology. I had asked you to pick a couple of musical selections to represent your research in ethnomusicology, especially mm-hmm. in the area of Iranian Baha'i persecution. And the first piece that you selected is God is Sufficient Unto Me. Before we listen to the piece, can you tell us what to listen for? And then after we play the piece, maybe you could explain how you would apply your research to that particular piece of music. The pieces that I chose purposely, I will call them like classic Baha'i compositions or or pieces of music that many Baha'is in in communities around the world I'm sure will be familiar with. This particular piece was for the Second Baha'i World Congress in 1992, which was celebrating the 100th year anniversary of the death of Baha'u'llah. Massive celebration in New York City and tens of thousands of Baha'is attended. The music, it was an unprecedented scenario as well because of the amount of people that came and this formal presentation that was arranged by musicians and composers like Jack Lenz in Canada and Tom Price. And it was unprecedented musical experience. It was also happening after the revolution in Iran in 1979. There was a series of horrendous news and and events that occurred where Baha'is were being incarcerated and imprisoned and in some cases executed. So in 1992, it wasn't that much longer, you know, not many years have passed since the revolution occurred. So it was fresh in the minds and in the communities of of Baha'is. So there's specific points during that Congress that commemorated and celebrated and honored our Iranian believers. This piece is a mix of, well, what Jack Lenz, when I talked with him, the so-called like Eastern and Western sort of sounds, things that connect the Baha'i faith from its origins in Iran to these hybrid Western classical compositions. So we'll now play the piece, God is Sufficient Unto Me.
I'm speaking with Daniel Stadnitsky, award-winning drummer and Vanier Canada graduate scholar based at the University of Alberta, whose research explores musical representations of Iranian Baha'i persecution. And we just played a piece called God is Sufficient Unto Me. Now that we've listened to the piece, Daniel, what can we get from your study of ethnomusicology after listening to this piece? From the outset, I should say, there is no distinct Baha'i music. There is no tradition that one can say is a Baha'i tradition of music or a sound that is a Baha'i sound. Essentially, the arts and aesthetics and music in the faith is in a constant process of renewal and progression and change. So there's hip-hop, there's popular music, there's classical music, predominantly stuff with text and with lyrics in reference to the faith or perhaps singing some of the holy writings. But when we get to the Second World Congress and these really extravagant arrangements are occurring, you know, there's dozens and dozens of singers, there's a huge choir, there's an orchestra, but I found in my work that when they are songs about Baha'i persecution, there is this tendency or desire to make it sound as if it was somewhat Middle Eastern or Persian, whether that be the use of a particular instrument from Iran. Like, for instance, in God is Sufficient Unto Me, it begins with Manashir Sadegi performing on the Santur. And it's a solo that he's performing. And gradually, the other instruments in the, in the Western classical orchestra begin to enter. The prayer itself is a very important prayer in the faith. It's something that Baha'u'llah was chanting while he was in prison in the Sia Shal. And actually the performance immediately it began right after sort of a monologue that talked about Baha'u'llah's time in the prison. So it's this, this narrative thread that is connected and then sounded. It signifies Iran in the sound of the Santur. But then once the song progresses, it moves into being sung in English. Once that occurs, there's even more of this fugal sound that occurs, these additional layering of voices and instruments in the Western classical orchestra kind of section. And then you have this marriage, this marriage of, of Western sounds with this Persian kind of introduction. The story behind the two verses in the piece, the first being, God is sufficient unto me, he verily is the all-sufficing, and then the second phrase, in him let the trusting trust, in him let the trusting trust. The story is that the vile conditions in which Baha'u'llah and his followers were in this, what they called the black pit. It was uh, an old reservoir, underground reservoir that they converted into a prison that had very vile conditions. It predated Baha'u'llah's declaration of him being the prophet founder of the Baha'i faith, he, along with his fellow prisoners, were Babis. And mm -hmm. they would line up across from each other, and one side would chant, God is sufficient unto me in Arabic. I guess it's Arabic. And then the second row would say, in him let the trusting trust. So it was this call and response of these two rows of followers as they were in the prison. That's right. So it's quite a dramatic story that this piece seems to hold. Mm -hmm. I found in my work that songs that are written by Baha'is that address the topic of persecution, they often integrate instruments from Iran and countries in that area. You know, we have everything from Seals and Crofts, who were a very popular band in the 70s. They also use the talents of Manashir Sadegi 
on Santur, but they also use things like ouds. They would play their mandolin, which, you know, typically in a bluegrass kind of context, but for their recordings, they would emphasize certain notes and play it in certain ways to sort of make it sound like Persian instruments, for instance. In Canada, you have bands like Smith and Dragoman, who are based in Ontario, and they've released all types of songs that document the persecution and martyrdom of Baha'is, the early Babis, and again, integrating these various textures and instruments, instruments from the Middle East and Iran as well. And so with God is Sufficient Unto Me, that piece at the World Congress, it's sort of the beginning of what has become a common sort of trope or theme in, in music in the Baha'i community that talks about persecution. There is this desire and this sense of conveying a sense of Persianness, or at least in sound, but its purpose, its intent is for listeners to be sort of taken or drawn to Iran as a, and, and what's occurring in Iran for, for the Baha'is. That's the key connection there. These sounds and these instruments are meant to make that broader connection between the music and the faith. The second piece that you selected is called Mona with the Children. Remind me again, the Canadian who wrote and performed that piece initially. Yeah, that was uh, Douglas Cameron, and it was produced by Jack Lenz as well, who was involved in the music for the, the Second World Congress, too. And a lot of the, the case studies and examples that I look at, especially in, in the 80s and 90s, when there's a greater interest of developing more music in Baha'i communities, Jack was, was very much front and center in, in a lot of things. So yeah, at Mona with the Children, written and performed by Doug Cameron, who was based in Toronto at the time, but also production with Jack Lenz, and I, and I think um, Seals and Crofts were part of it as well. It was because of the story of Mona that a lot of Baha'i musicians became very interested in trying to tell her story. Unfortunately, the version that I could get from YouTube was not really a good quality, and I didn't think it best represented the piece. And there were a number of covers that I found mm -hmm. on YouTube. And one was, I think, by the name of Tom Francis, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, That's right, yeah. And so I chose that one. It's an acoustic guitar piece versus a more finished production of the original piece. It's very different than Doug Cameron's original production, but it was still, I thought, moving. So maybe you could explain to folks the background of this song and then we'll play the song, and then let's go through the same process again of how you would apply your research to a song like this. Sure. When I spoke with Doug Cameron and Jack Lenz, it was through word of mouth, essentially, within the Baha'i community, about the story of Mona before it was much more circulated in forms of media in the community as well as international media. But in Baha'i communities in Canada in the 80s, my understanding was that they were talking about this horrendous event that occurred, which was in 1983, Mona, who was a 17-year-old teacher, was arrested along with, I believe, nine other women, and they were all subsequently executed and hung for their involvement in the Baha'i faith. And this was a devastating thing that occurred. But it was also an event for people like Doug, who, you know, he, he met a fellow inmate who was in prison with Mona, and she shared this story, and it was the first time that he met somebody who was being persecuted for their shared faith. For Baha'is that don't live in Iran, but Baha'is are aware of what occurs in Iran, this heightened sense of terror and trauma that was occurring. It was also a galvanizing effect. It made Baha'is outside of Iran, like there was a sense of 
coming together and addressing this thing and trying to overcome it together as a global Baha'i faith. So much like the God is Sufficient Unto Me recording, this song has also become part of the repertoire within, within Baha'i communities. I even did a cover version of God is Sufficient Unto Me for our recent bicentenary of the Bob that just occurred, because these are melodies and these are stories that Baha'is know of and that are, that are very close to the heart. And Mona with the Children is one such song, and also subsequently became a bit of a hit in Canada, I think almost by accident in some way. The original music video featured a lot of uh, realistic imagery of Mona's arrest and imprisonment and her execution as well. So this Iranian persecution discourse was more visual at the time as well, because the song itself is more like a, like a Bruce Coburn folk rock pop sound of, of, the, of the 80s, but... People like Tom Francis and others have covered it and changed the style a little bit to make it more contemporary for audiences today. And in fact, I would invite our listeners to go to YouTube and do a search on Mona with the children and watch Doug Cameron's original production because it really is a dramatic presentation, a visual dramatic presentation of the arrest, the trial, and the execution of Mona. So it is quite moving, but unfortunately, the sound quality was, wasn't that good. So as you mentioned, Daniel, we're going to play a cover by Tom Francis. So here is Tom Francis covering Mona with the Children. so cruel and she said this is where I've got to be and taken in the night her heart full of light and she said this is where I've got to be how can I tell you how could she be so young to know the truth in all her dreams Stands before them to hear them say, Save your life and throw your faith away. away. Mona with the children, send your love to me. All around the world, we'll be dancing. Mona with the children Send your love to me Every precious moment You'll be dancing And every precious moment You'll be free In the light, a love that burns so bright, she said, 
This is where I've got to be When I asked her Where would she end She said You can't take my faith And you can't take my faith away When I told her The price she'd pay She said Take my life Take it all away Oh, Mona with the children Send your love to me All around the world We'll be dancing Mona with the children Send your love to me Every precious moment You'll be dancing And every precious moment You'll be free So I'm speaking with Daniel Stadnitsky, an award-winning drummer and Vanier Canada graduate scholar based at the University of Alberta, whose research explores musical representations of Iranian Baha'i presentation. And we were just listening to the song Mona with the Children, which is about a young woman, 18 years old, who was arrested in 1983 for being a Baha'i and teaching Baha'i children's classes and ultimately tried and executed. Daniel, maybe you could expound a little bit on how you apply your research to a song like this. I'm glad that you played a cover because I think that when songs become covered and within any genre, Baha'i or not, in any, in any context, it speaks to repertoire and, and style and songs that are meaningful and stand the test of time. For the Baha'i community, Mona with the Children is certainly one of those songs on the one hand, it was probably the first song to talk about contemporary, well, what was contemporary persecution at that time. The recording was released not long after Mona's actual execution. And it's also performed in a style that was fairly new for Baha'is, which was, you know, more of a pop rock sensibility. There was a sense of maybe, you know, was this appropriate? Is this sensitive to the subject matter? And these are the kinds of things that, that Doug grappled with initially, but the response to the song was so overwhelming, even outside the Baha'i community. It charted, and, and he even was nominated for a Juno, which is you know the equivalent of a Grammy in Canada. Yeah, very interesting story about what was sort of a one-off recording, and they made a, a video that was funded from Baha'is in the U.S. to make a music video, which in those days, I am I might entirely sure about the final budget, but music videos are a very expensive business. And the style of video production, it really tried to dramatize and document what the conditions were for Mona and the other women who were executed. 
my research documented a few different things. So I was interested in the fact that the story initially was kind of from word of mouth within Baha'i communities, that they heard about the story about Mona. And then eventually, you know, there were reports and there were all kinds of activities within the Baha'i academic community and the Baha'i studies community, publishing works and journal articles about the situation of persecution in Iran. And this music video, in fact, became kind of a teaching tool. It was a tool for Baha'is to reach to the non-Baha'i communities, whether, you know, circulating it through news media outlets, but also playing it in people's homes, playing it in private settings to share Mona's story as a way to raise awareness. It became also a gateway for people to become first familiar with the faith as well. Later, because, you know, persecution continues to this day, Baha'is started using these reports and these documents that are being published from Baha'i institutions, so from the World Center, letters from the Universal House of Justice, which are circulated throughout Baha'i communities and assemblies all around the world, which, you know, a lot of them have addressed the topic of persecution and perhaps some talking points uh, that maybe Baha'is can raise or the activities we can do to commemorate, as well as the Baha'i International Community, which is a, a United Nations organization that has been for decades advocating for the rights of Baha'is. And so these reports have then become material or resources for Baha'i musicians to refer to. So then you'll see lots of musicians today, like Colby Jeffers, referencing some of these documents, and several other Baha'i musicians across genres, referring to actual documents that these Baha'i institutions have been publishing. Whereas in the days of Doug Cameron's song, it was kind of just a story that he knew some vague details and created this whole sound world and narrative that became very powerful for a lot of Baha'i listeners. So, Daniel, where can people find your research in this area? I believe the the dissertation is available online. I just graduated and convocated a few days ago, (laughs) and, and it all feels very new. But I'm currently working on a journal article and hoping to turn the dissertation into the book, like lots of new academics are trying to do. I have published on another work that I've done. It's primarily to do with drumming and percussion studies. Yeah, the dissertation should be available if you were to search Hidden Word and Sounds is the short title of the dissertation, Hidden Words and Sounds. Well, Daniel, I want to thank you so much for sharing your music and your work with us this hour. Thank you very much for having me. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Daniel Stadnitsky award-winning drummer and ethnomusicologist. You can hear this interview and find links to his work on the website abahaiperspective.com and on the YouTube channel A Baha'i Perspective. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website baha'i.org or you can call the number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective. This song is about a girl named Mona. She was executed at the age of 16. And until the last moment, she stood strong in the face of oppression. 
Innocent people torn from their homes What is this prejudice? What is this hatred? Carried in sacks and beat to the bone How is this violence meant to be sacred? Yeah, we all gotta sacrifice But their souls carry on in the afterlife Their souls carry on in the afterlife Their souls carry on in the afterlife And among these Baha'is arose one girl Had one dream just to change the world They said, what could she do? Cause she's only 16 She could recognize truth that nobody had seen She could change the world one soul at a time Where was her freedom a gift divine? She said, reunion is life, separation is death That's what I gotta say to my last breath Go ahead, take me, take me home But don't take my family, take me alone Alright, go ahead, take us, take us all I'm gonna kiss the rope, I'm gonna raise the call She said Just take my soul away Can you free me from these chains? God, where have you gone? Let me share with you my yeah. pain This is what she said She said freedom is the most brilliant word That exists in the whole world so why am I not free to exist in this community? I got dreams of liberty, but when I open up my eyes, all I see is tyranny. And I swear by the red in my veins that there is no love. I can only see pain, I can only see the blood that'll drip like rain. Only see the villains that are killing with no shame. And the filling up the cemetery with all of my friends not willing to stop. They go again and again. They're coming real fast and they're coming to attack. I'll sit right here, just breathe and relax. Think thoughts that'll make me smile. Gotta close my eyes, pray for a while. Cause reunion is life, separation is death. That's what I gotta say to my last breath go ahead take me take me home but don't take my family take me alone all right go ahead take us take us all i'm gonna kiss the rope i'm gonna raise the call and i'm ready to go so please set me free please break these chains lord when will it be just take my soul Equals families divided How many people live life instead of just surviving There's hope behind this masquerade We simply need to find it So much hate, prejudice, anger and depression Leaving beautiful voices with no chance for expression How many answers never find their way to questions Let's keep the vibe alive, come on, I'll jam to this session uh. Well, I live a good life Said I can't stop the rain, all I see is sunshine And me, I got the feeling everything is alright The vision is everybody rise to the vibe Let me hear you say yeah, 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 yeah I got the vibe over here Yeah, yeah, 
Stop the rain, all I see is sunshine But me, I got the feeling everything is alright The vision is everybody rise to the vibe Let me hear you say I got the vibe Say I got the vibe Let me hear you say I got the vibe Say I got the vibe Yeah
This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.